rocket and roll. The Texans go in front. They put on the helmet and pads. What's up, man? This is your teammate, number 57, Brennan Scarlett. And make the big plays. Down to the 10-yard line. What a play. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. I put a ton of pressure on myself. I want to be able to go out there and make the plays. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. They want to listen to, you know, the slow songs, the R&B. And I'm like, you know, we got to go play football. Welcome to the Texans Players Show with your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Texans Players Show. I'm Mark Vandermeer, joined by D.P. Sidhu and Drew Doherty. And please welcome our guest for tonight, Darren Fells, tight end extraordinaire. Darren, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, just hanging in there during the storm. Trying to stay dry, and that's the way to go. So uh, a lot of rain in your area. How, how has it been? I mean, last night was kind of rough in a lot of areas. How are you doing? Um, I mean, the area I'm in, in Paralyn, isn't too bad. Um, I had to drive up to the facility to do a uh, the normal COVID drug test, and it's a lot worse in other areas. So it's not, not too bad. So even on your day off, you've got to go in and be tested for COVID. It's, a, it's an everyday thing. Every single day thing. So guys are looking forward and not really looking forward to uh, our bye week because you're going to have to stay here and get tested every single day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. I yeah. didn't even think of that aspect of it. Can you like farm that out? Like, can I go to Cabo and get tested in Cabo? They, they won't allow that probably, yeah, right? No, because that's usually when we take the kids out and enjoy their their time with dad. But now it's going to be at home, maybe go to Galveston or something like that just to get them out. But it will be in everyday things still testing. So. Well, it's twofold because now the players can't travel anywhere, which is when you really worry about the risk of, you know, what people are doing in their free time. So they just so the excuse of having to stay back for the COVID test actually might work out as a plus because then at least you you know where everybody is, right? I mean, everybody's pretty uh, yeah. much going to stick to their same schedule as they do during regular season. Stinks for you wanting to get away though, especially if you don't have family in Houston. No, yeah, that that's like you said, double-edged sword there where you. On the positive side, you know where everybody's at. You don't have to worry about uh, anybody doing anything too crazy. And then, like you said, the negative. I have family out in town. I usually go to either California or something with the kids, take them to Disney World or something like that. But now I can't can't really do that. All right. I actually got tested last week negative, if, uh, if I can disclose that publicly. Um, if it was positive, I don't know if I would. But anyway... Uh, but I tested, I got tested last week and they, Darren, they dug to China. Okay. I lost memory. I mean, pieces of my medulla oblongata felt like they were coming out. What, I mean, are you over this now? Is it pretty much a normal thing for you? It's like, all right, go ahead, do your thing. I mean, how does it feel every day? Um, they, they don't really go, go to China, uh, every day with us. It's more, uh, a <laughs> little bit in uh, New York, I would say. <laughs> I'm not that far, but yeah, you just get get used to it. You learn everybody's name. You just in and out because you know know the process. How long did that process take? The getting used to it part because I had it once back in July and it was sort of weird, but it wasn't as bad mm-hmm. as I'd heard. But it sounds like I just had a, a pretty uh, a pretty good experience. How long did that process take of normalcy, so to speak? Um, it it, it honestly wasn't as bad as everybody said it would be. Um. I don't know because they said testing has been getting better and better, so they don't have to go as deep to get uh, everything. But it's it's it didn't take that long to get used to. And last final fo- last follow up: Did you ever think you'd be talking about 
swabs up your noses this much <laughs> on a radio show. I never would have guessed I would ever talk about anything going up my nose on a radio show. <laughs> Darren, uh, when you scored the touchdown on Sunday, uh, I don't know if you could hear me because I'm in the nosebleeds calling the game on the radio, but I cheered. I just want you to know that I was definitely cheering. What was it like scoring a touchdown? It, it wasn't silent because the bench is going crazy and everything, but that had to be strange because, you know, if NRG Stadium was full, that would have been a total eruption, but you yeah. weren't really getting that on Sunday. What was that like? Um, from the minute we walked out the, uh, the tunnels, it was surreal. Um, you just hear the music going, no fans at all. And then, like I said, when I scored a touchdown, it was still pretty quiet. I can hear my teammates back in the near the huddle talking and words are saying. I can hear both sidelines, uh, coaches yelling certain things, get this field goal out there, things like that. So it was like, Things I never really heard before. It was I'm hearing all the time now. You played at European basketball, so when they do allow fans, like at Kansas City, they had a, a smattering of fans, and maybe NRG Stadium might allow like fifteen thousand fans. Is that is that what the crowd was like when you're playing basketball? Was it more? Is it more? Is it less than what you're used to back then? Um, well, the stadiums are a lot smaller, so it's they still fill out. Um, I would say the smallest. Stadium I played in overseas was like a high school gym, which was like 6,000 people with that. And they would fill it up, so it would still be pretty loud. Hey, you guys have played – you've now played, if you include the playoffs, I'm thinking 20 games with Deshaun Watson. And I believe you've got nine touchdown catches if you include those those playoffs with him. I mean, that's basically every other game you're in the end zone. What's with the connection with you two? You, you, you were good at catching touchdown passes before you got here. You'd add about three a year in the four previous years, but what's the deal with you two? Um, the biggest thing is his trust. Um, he knows that I'm not gonna go out there and run a wrong route or be in the wrong area, and and also like the fact he said he throws me the ball, I'm gonna come down with it. Um, so it's just that he knows he can trust me and go from there. All right, we'll talk about what's going on this year, but uh, since we're on that subject, I kick from last year. How much of an adjustment was that particular play uh, it, when you caught that touchdown pass from him? Was that the regular route or was like, all right, because he rolled out to the right side. Were you making an adjustment on a route to receive that TD pass against the Raiders? Uh, no, it was, it was part, of, part of the play. Um, obviously, like we've run a lot of uh, rollout plays, especially with a player like Deshaun. Um, he's used to having to scramble and going all over the place, but that was part of the part of the play where he rolls out and I'm going to be be there. Those are nice plays. I mean, that, that little, like, when those, the mini roll that he has and, and he feeds you the ball. And it's almost like, it, it seems like basketball in a way, right? It's just a, it's a pretty short relative to football, kind of a short pass. Uh, yeah. do you have any flashbacks when you're receiving a TD like that? <laughs> uh, to like basketball, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It felt a little bit like a pick and roll, like he's rolling yeah. up and I sort of pick someone and roll back uh, to the basket for the alley oop. Mm-hmm. So it definitely feels a little bit like basketball. I Except like that ain't dunk. So uh, what do you think about the offense here? Obviously, I, I know you guys want to score, you know, it's pretty simple to say you want to score more points, but it's easier said than done. So uh, even though you were here last year, a lot of guys were here last year, you do have some new pass catchers, running back David Johnson. These are all good, good players, but – uh, is, does it just take a little time to really gel and get the rhythm as a group together, especially without the preseason games and joint practices? What are your thoughts on that, Darren? 
Oh, yeah, it, it definitely takes a little bit of time. Um, I think the biggest struggle is no preseason game, so you don't know how things are going to gel well in the game until you really get out there. Um, I feel practices have been going extremely well. Um, Deshaun's getting to know everybody. Everybody's learning the offense. But like you said, the biggest test is really going out on the field and seeing how it all gels together in the game. So it's just one of those things that we're trying to find our identity and figure out who, who we are as a, as a new group. Darren, I had a chance to sit down with Jordan Aikens last week, and he said that this offseason he really wanted to pick the brains of veterans, and he said he used to overthink a lot. And it seems he seems different this year. He, even from that week one game, he just seems so comfortable. And, and the way Bill O'Brien talks about him, that, you know, if he's healthy, he's got to be out there. He really credits you a lot for sort of mentoring him in that role. But what have you seen from him? I mean, he wasn't a rookie last year, but it just seems like he's made that – a considerable jump. Is that what you've seen? Where have you seen it the most? No, that, that's – you hit it right on the head right there. His biggest problem last year was overthinking everything. Um, I've been trying to get into his head and let him know the biggest difference really between a rookie and a veteran is confidence. And if he just goes out there and plays with a lot more confidence, that he'll he'll just feel so much more comfortable out there and things will just go a lot better his way, I guess, uh, would be a way of saying it. Um, so it was just – Every single time I practice, I try to get in his head. If he starts looking like he's questioning himself, like, hey, just go out there and play. Just do what you do. We know you're a very talented player. Just go out there and play your game. Is that like with confidence? I mean, it seems like the only way to improve someone's confidence is to just really boost their ego a lot when they're practicing or playing. I mean, is there another way to do it? You have to compliment him a lot, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, I guess that's really the only way if you think about it, yeah. So I'm I'm always been a positive guy. I look try to find the positive in every situation. Obviously, when you're out there, you make mistakes. Coaches are going to coach you and try to get you better. And most most of the time, coaches aren't going to be the most positive when they say certain things. So I try to be his his cheerleader when it comes to letting him know, like, hey, everybody makes mistakes, but you're you're gonna get past it and become a great player. Did you go through that early in your career, or were you kind of seasoned in a different sort of way and you also had your brother to lean on too. What was it like early on for you in that regard? Oh, I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> uh, coming in from being an ex-basketball player, trying to learn like a foreign language, I was I had zero confidence. Uh, anytime, like I, I know for a fact I would know it, but when I had a guy next to me who played four years of college and came to the league and he'll tell me how to do it, I would just ignore anything I learned and knew and just do exactly what he told me to do whether it was right or wrong. <laughs> and that was my biggest problem is I didn't trust myself in the process that I put all the uh, studying in, all the work I did off the field. Uh, so that, that was, like I said, the, my first couple years was just no, lacking any confidence in, in myself. Uh, Farrell Brown, new tight end. I know Waring's on IR, and let's hope he gets back soon. But you added Farrell onto the roster and now onto the 53. So what about him, and what kind of style is he of tight end? How's he looking in practice, that sort of thing? Because I know we haven't really seen him as a Texan yet much. Yeah, I actually played with him in Cleveland. Um, so he is a bigger body tight end, uh, but he he can definitely run and catch. He's more of a uh, – wide looking but moving more like an F tight end. Mm-hmm. Um but he's also one of those guys that's not afraid to put his hat in there in the run game. He's very hard working player, very smart player. Um and he, he just wants to be on the field. He's one of those guys that I'm happy to be here with him.
Another guy that's really leaned on you since he got here, David Johnson. I know you two have a history because you were together in Arizona. What's it been like having him on the squad? I know you've sort of taken him under your wing this offseason just with everything being as weird as it was. But, you know, what do you see from him so far? I know it's, you know, only been two games. And, and what do you sort of expect for him? Um, yeah, when we were back in Arizona, he was a phenomenal running back. Um, he still is, obviously. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who can – change the game at any point. Um, and like you said, we've been talking a lot on and off the field and trying to get him comfortable as quickly as possible was my biggest goal. Uh, but I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal running back once we get our, our rhythm going and get him in, involved in the offense as much as possible. All right, Darren Fells is joining us. Let's get into your story a little bit because it's so interesting. I mean, I really think that you know, obviously I'm a hoop fan, so, I mean, I think you're the most interesting player on the team. But uh, so take us through college and what that was like for you as an athlete and how that led into hoops instead of football. And obviously here you are today, but let's go to the early years. Um, so, yeah, I played both football and basketball in high school. was actually more heavily recruited for football than basketball, uh, but decided basketball was my number one love, so I wanted to get that. Shot at basketball, spent four years college going to UC Irvine playing basketball. Um, and then you want me to keep going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the, um, yeah. So played my four years of college in UC Irvine, loved every moment of that. Wanted to continue, uh, playing basketball, never got the real opportunity to go NBA. So I just decided to take my talents overseas. <laughs> uh, ended up going to Belgium for two years. Oh, wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. How did that, how did you make that decision? Because there's a lot of seas, both, or a lot of leagues overseas, a lot of leagues yeah. in South America, Central America. You played in them all. Why did you choose Belgium right off the bat? What, what went down there? Um, well, I, you actually have agent scouts come to your game that spe- specify in overseas uh, basketball. So I had one come up to me, and he pretty much laid out three different contracts right in front of me saying that he showed him my stats and tapes and these teams, these three teams are interested in, in me. And it was like Belgium. Can't really remember the other two. He just, he preached Belgium the whole, whole way. Like he, I don't even think he showed me the other two. He said they have three contracts, but he thinks I should take the Belgium one. Um, so I just not even knowing where Belgium was on a map. When I first went over there, I started researching and seeing what they were, uh, where they were. And then that, that's pretty much how I decided to go to Belgium. So wait, yeah, so this is an agent scout, but it's not an agent for you, really. He represents no. them. So do you have an agent at this point, or are you just sort of doing it so, yourself? No, no, so, like, he he was trying to get me. So the way it works, so, like, I had three different agents come up to me, and the way they get you to sign with them is they show you contracts. And uh-huh. so that's, that's how – so every agent has uh, connections in certain countries. So uh-huh. some some agents that – We'll throw Belgium at you. They'll also have connections in Germany, all of Western Europe, and then all the right. other agents will have South America. And that's how they have more connections with certain teams in those areas. That's how it works. Yeah. So you go to Belgium and start playing basketball. And I, you and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, yeah. Where was the language the easiest? Because in Belgium, they, they speak some English in Belgium, right? I mean, I think the kids have to learn English in school. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, Western. Belgium, 90%, that's where I was, 90% of the people there speak English. And then 
Eastern Belgium was where most of them speak French. Right. So everybody that in their national language is Flemish. It's the, yeah, and Flemish is basically Dutch, just so the audience knows, you know, since I'm Vandermeer, I just want to, you know, represent here. And that's basically like Southern Holland or something. Anyway, go on. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought uh, there was going to be a huge language barrier, but then first time I went out, everybody was speaking English. So I'm like, okay. I Mm -hmm. didn't even have an opportunity to try to learn the language, so I didn't even need to. Wow. And where where was the hoops the best? Because you played in what is it four countries? So where's where was the hoops the most competitive in your opinion? Uh, played in five countries, and the oh. most was sorry. <laughs> I know that's okay. Sounds, no, it's not. good. It's good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, the most fun I had was in Mexico. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. I did an interview with you last year, and you said the fiercest rivalry game that you'd ever been a part of in any sport was it involved. I don't know if you played for Mexicali or you're playing against Mexicali, but what's, what's the story behind that? I didn't get, you told part of that story to me. Yeah. uh, I played for Mexicali um, and it was against a team in uh, Jalapa, which I believe is a little bit outside of uh, Mexico city. And they were like the reigning champs three years in a row. And Mexicali was like the up and coming it, it, I don't, I don't know why, but they, they said it was sort of like a LA versus Clippers where like they're not really hometowns, but everybody's like they, every time they fight each other, one's the best, one's the worst, but they want to prove who's better every single time. So those games were always packed every single time we went to play that game. How is a uh, basketball locker room different from a football locker room in terms of, you know, we always talk about team chemistry and character of the sport and everything like that. What are the key differences, in your opinion, that are kind of universal to basketball versus football? Um, the biggest difference for basketball, the size is one of the biggest difference, a lot oh, smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're able to connect with literally everybody in that locker room, um, whereas football, you would love to connect with everybody on your team, but there's 53, not including practice squads. Sometimes you won't even be able to interact with some guys. You know everybody on your team, but you don't fully get to understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's a bigger bond in football. It's it's a it's a weird feeling to the fact that like, even though it's a bigger team, there's more to lose in per per game because everybody's involved a hundred percent in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, where basketball, I feel two or three star players in that team, and that's who you have to rely on every single game. Whereas football, you if one person doesn't do their job, that can be a game changer. Special teams, defense, offense, like it doesn't matter what your job is, but you need to perform at high level for, to win that game. Darren, the locker- joining us. Go ahead, DP. I was going to say the locker rooms this year, I mean, they must, <laughs> they remind you of basketball locker rooms because it's not like how it was in the past where every single player and all the practice squad guys are in the same room. You guys are split up now, aren't you? How, how many, how many people are in each area about and, and what is, does it change the the mood a little bit because you don't get to see every single guy in that setting anymore? Yeah, it, it definitely changed the mood drastically. Um, there's about 20 guys in each locker. We have three or four different uh, locker rooms, and you'll be having a conversation with one guy, and then it's like, okay, I have to say goodbye because your locker's <laughs> two football fields away from mine, so <laughs> I don't want to make you late to meetings. It's, yeah. Some guys I used to talk to all the time aren't even in the same locker room as me, so it's like, okay, I'll – would love to see you outside of football, but you can't really socialize outside of football either. So it's 
it's hard building a strong chemistry when your locker room's so separate. All right, I promise not to make the whole show about your basketball career, but uh, <laughs> NBA player whose game resembles yours the most, or maybe your game resembles theirs. Now, it might not be at the NBA level quite, but you played professional basketball for a long time. So, I mean, this is nothing to sneeze at. So who who can the fans sort of compare you to in your style of play and how you contribute to a team? Um, I would say a mixture between Steph Curry, LeBron James, <laughs> Shaq. Man. Answer. That's it. <laughs> Uh, I did not rebound like you did, Derek. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would, I've always been a huge fan of Sean Kemp. So I tried to model my game after his. Um, wasn't as athletic as he was, but I always tried to be a dominant power forward when it came to attacking the rim and rebounding and defense and everything like that. There's there's a definite difference in the mentality, though, of being physical in basketball and physical in football, right? I mean, football is like you can – I mean, basketball, you can always get hurt, but football, you can really get hurt. Like, it takes a yeah. different mindset, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. You have to you, – you have to – what's that? <laughs> you have to be ready and you want to hit every single day, whereas football, basketball, it's like – you may or may not bump into someone. You can take jump shots all the time if you want to, but right. you can avoid it in basketball, whereas football, there's no avoiding the contact. Have you watched the uh, NBA much in the bubble, the way they're doing it? I've seen a couple games, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that versus the environment you guys are playing in when you have either no fans or very few fans, uh, what, what you've observed in the bubble with those guys? Uh, it looks very similar. The only difference I've noticed was the uh, – the cameras where they have fans popping yeah. up via Zoom or something like that. I don't know if the players can hear the noise coming from those cameras, if they have that up or anything like that, where it adds extra crowd noise. But it, it looks definitely very similar to how, what we're going through. If if there are no fans at NRG Stadium, I'm just taking a, a, an informal poll of one here, uh, would you like us to turn up the noise even more in the stadium, the, the fake noise, if need be? I personally would prefer the fake noise out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was definitely different going out there with zero noise and hearing. I can hear the other team sideline talking, some screaming sometimes. That was awkward to me. How how was it with calling plays? Because that's something we talked about heading into that game. Like you know, when Deshaun's uh, making adjustments or calling plays at the line, like the defense can hear him, right? Or what, how do you? I mean, I guess there's nothing you can really do. But what was that like? Um, for the offense, it's a lot easier because you can hear him communicate a lot better. But at the same time, it's one of those double-edged sword things where it's it helps you out on offense because you can hear everything he's saying. But at the same time, the defense can hear everything he's saying, so they can pick up certain code words if you're using code words. But also, like I said, uh, we can hear them if they use some certain code words as well. Um, but that's something you don't really want them picking up on, especially if it's a player that you like to run all the time. I mean, it's just got to be so strange. It's just got to be so strange to deal with that. All right, so the Steelers are coming up. We're going to get into what it's going to take to beat them in Pittsburgh, second road trip of the year. Then you got another one at home, but we're going to take it one game at a time. And also, coming up with Darren Fells, we have the tough questions. And by tough, I mean they're really easy, but they're about you. So we want to know some things about what you think about um, different aspects of life 
Uh, but plenty more coming up on the Steelers and the Texans, which is coming up Sunday at noon, by the way. It's a regular noon kick for the Sunday Texans-Pittsburgh game. And we'll be back with more with Darren Fells on Texans Radio. Keep it here for more of the Texans Players Show, right here on Texans Radio. Today tastes like game day at home. Like assigned couch seating. (laughs) Tastes like coffee table dining. And an ice cold Coke to cool down the heat. It tastes like the game you've waited for all week with friends you've known your whole life. (laughs) Today tastes like watching football is supposed to. And it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola. Together tastes better. Teachers and parents, are you looking for educational resources to keep your students engaged at home during this challenging time? The Houston Texans, Toro, and Phillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value, all the while having some fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the COVID-19 resources page and run your kids through Toro's Math Drills, presented by Phillips. Go Texans! Go Texans. Back with Darren Fells here on the Texans Player Show. Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty, and Texans tight end. Darren Fells. Okay, Darren, let's get to some of these questions we want to know that are very complex, very in-depth about your life. And here's the first one that I have for you, and everybody's got their own, but we'll, uh, we'll switch them up as we go. And this is what TV show, and this is really important football stuff, what TV show have you binge watched that you might be embarrassed to tell people about? Sort of a guilty pleasure binge watch TV show like Tiger King, or I guess that's not that embarrassing because everybody watched it. But do you have one to share with us? Um, I haven't binge watched a lot of TV, but when I did start watching a couple, um, Rick and Morty was my one I went to. And then a, uh, I guess the most embarrassing one would be, uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra. The Avatar TV show. Yeah, I'm I'm a little, I'm a giant kid when it comes to cartoons. Okay. Anime, right? Yeah. Anime? Mike, my kids watch (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, that sounds really familiar, Darren. Okay. (laughs) Eric Murray watched that too? Yeah, Eric Murray had that... uh, and he, my question was just, what have you binge watched? I wasn't saying what's most embarrassing. He he came right out with the the, the air because ba- I had to look up. He said Cora, and I was like, how do you spell that? Cora. Yeah, K R R A. Yeah, so you had <laughs> so, you, you got something else yeah. to talk about with three. So you don't watch much TV, is that what I'm hearing here, Darren? Well, the past what was it six seven months uh, having two kids, my TV channel has been on Nick Jr. or anything like that, so. If I'm am watching TV or listening to TV, it will be one of those kids. <laughs> yeah, but shows they go like, they go to sleep. They go to sleep, and then you you read or just hang out. He probably goes to sleep too. Yeah. He's tired. <laughs> you don't remember what it's I'm like. I'm in bed at nine thirty, ten o'clock. <laughs> you're in bed at eight. I have about an hour and a half to. Okay, so if you go to bed, I'm just I'm just asking this for me and nobody else because like I don't think I get enough sleep, and I've heard stories like what believes in like 12 hours of sleep or something he says it's remarkable for your for your athletic health how many hours a night do you get sleep um if i'm lucky with no kids waking up 
seven or eight. Oh, so they get up wicked early. Oh, that's yeah, tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much every day. Okay. I was thinking seven. you were going to say nine. You know, <laughs> no such <laughs> luck. All right, who's next? I'll go because mine's kind of on the heels of that. I was going to ask if, you, okay, because now I know you have small kids, but if you didn't have the small kids to worry about their schedule and you didn't have your football schedule to worry about, are or you – or a COVID, would you consider yourself an early bird or a night owl? Ooh, I would probably say, I don't know, that's a tough question because I'm now I'm now an early bird because of the kids. Mm-hmm. Like even when I don't have them and if I'm on the road, I'm still up at 6.37. My body just naturally wakes up like that. Um, and I'll try to lay down and stay in bed just because I can. Um, but I would say before kids, I was more of a night owl. It's good that you've shifted. It's good that you, because I feel like I, now with COVID, I've, I've reverted back to being a night owl because I don't have to get up so crazy early. And I cannot fall asleep before midnight. But then, I mean, I can't wake up at nine. So I still have to get up early. But it's like every night I'm like, I'm going to go to bed by 11. And I just can't. I'm like wide awake at night. I think the um, second my hour. My body's like going to bed by by 10, I used to be like that. I know. I think the second hour of tonight's show, like after uh, after we say goodbye to Darren, I could do the whole show on this kind of stuff. Okay, like wh- you know, what time do you go to sleep? <laughs> Why? Let's do it. We're game. We'll feel- do it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. But Darren, along those lines, <laughs> because I am curious, because you are. I'm, I'm obsessed with you're, sleep. Talking about sleep. Yes. You're uh-huh. you're not you're not old. But you're not that young anymore either, right? So how has your diet changed and things like that in order for you to, you know, function at a high level? Um, the biggest difference, because basketball, my calorie count had to be a lot higher due to the the uh, cardio involved. Right. Um, but my biggest change would be a lot more, say, vegetables and protein involved in my diet. So the older I get, the more I'm more cautious I am on what, kind of sweets I put in my body was it difficult to like eat not literally eat but like find good stuff to eat that you liked when you were playing basketball overseas like what do I order what do we or was it pretty easy um I honestly did not really care what I put in my body especially <laughs> being in Belgium with chocolate and and french fries I was just loading up oh, in those yeah. kind of calories with mayonnaise <laughs> Yeah, French fries with mayonnaise, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. All right. All right, Who's you brought up protein in the diet, Darren, so we're going to go with this one. You're buying milk today on September 22nd. <laughs> there are only two cartons left in the grocery store refrigerator. Uh... One, the date says October 1st. The other says October 5th. Which one are you going to choose? <laughs> he's like is what? it a trick question <laughs> is, there, is there any choice here is this like a moral thing like all right go what? ahead darren <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face is so funny october 5th well, why wouldn't yeah. i get the one that's gonna last longer just asking i'm just asking man. Hey, Drew, what does it say about somebody if if they don't pick october 1st is i don't like know being wasteful or something full and... disclosure mark and i we used to host before dp joined the tech we used to host this show on a tuesday night with arian foster and arian you you really had to had to like have well thought out quite so we went with a 
with a, oh, yeah. that question. And it was, there's something philosophical about it. It's like one choice is Aristotelian and the other choice is like Sophocles. And yeah, it's this, but yeah. We went for an hour on that one. The greater one. good of yeah. society, you would take right, right. that expired. And I'm with you. I'd choose the fifth every every time. Well, I'm I'm thinking more because I'm not a huge milk drinker, so it's going to stay in the <laughs> fridge longer. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. Very good. I like that one a lot. I like that one. DP, you go again. What do you got? All right. Um, what's the best thing that you can cook? Um, I think most people are surprised when I tell them I love making sushi. Oh. Whoa. Huh. Like, you can really do That's it? Impressive. Like, do you have the equipment, like the roller? Like, what do they use? I, I don't even know, but. So like the bamboo. Right. Them. Yeah. So I have all that. Not in my house here, but in, in back at home in Arizona, I have the plates, the bowls, the chopsticks, the rollers, everything. There's a place what? I go. Uh, How'd you get into that? Yeah. Yeah, who taught you this? Um, I actually learned myself. I just, because I love cooking, so. And I love sushi, so I was put two and two together. Um, the hardest thing is finding sushi-grade fish. And there's only like one or two places in Arizona that you can find it. So go out there, get my yellowtail salmon and, and tuna, and then I buy all the other side ingredients and make different rolls that way. So right, when you, you said you're a good you're a good cook. So like now I feel like what else what else can you make that we yeah that we would be surprised to hear besides the sushi? Um, I've made. Hmm. I made homemade pretzels, homemade beer cheese to go with that. I've done homemade pasta, made my own pasta sauce. I've made raviolis, stuffed them. Next on my list is probably sausages, make homemade sausages. I made, got some uh, sirloin and peppers and things, made my own homemade burgers with the bread, made homemade bread with that, yeah, things like that. Oh. Oh, we've stumbled on something here. Oh, my okay. gosh. We're all coming <laughs> I over. I feel like I feel so lazy. Making <laughs> yeah. his own buns for the burgers, too. That's that, impressive. Yeah. That I feel like awesome. it's like people that say they made something homemade and they open up a box. I feel like that's not really homemade. You're just so like, <sighs> yeah. you boiled yeah. amateurs. Box? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Darren Darren's going to stay with us and we're going to delve into more important questions. Like uh, I got, I got one more of these, which is uh, tell me after the break, which is what sport are you not good at for sure that you know about? You can share that with us, but we'll get into the Pittsburgh Steelers next. Some more here on Texans radio. Back with Darren Fells here on the Texans player show, Texans radio, Mark Vandermeer, DB city, Drew Doherty with you. And it's great to have you aboard. Don't forget to watch Texans extra points Saturday night. 1035 on ABC 13, followed by Texans 360. Drew and DP host those shows, respectively. And Darren's been on from time to time, and I'm even on occasionally. But, Darren, uh, we promised this, and I think everybody's been hanging to the break, dying to know what sport – because we're asking you questions about stuff other than football. What sport are you not good at? Have you tried a sport like, I don't know, tennis or bowling that you might not be good at? I, I would imagine you're pretty good at everything because you play basketball and football professionally. Um, I would say I'm not good at golf. I've done three rounds of golf and I completely suck. <laughs> well, three whole rounds, huh? Way to give yeah. it the old college try there, Darren. I mean, like, why don't we go to the range and hit a few balls? I'm betting that if you put a little time into it, like if you, what was your free throw percentage, by the way? You know this. Yeah, uh, the highest I shot was 80%. 
All right, 80%, right? So if somebody's shooting 70% and they practice a little bit, you'll be great at golf. I know this. I know this. But you probably just don't want to, you know, you have small children. I get it. I do too, and I can't play. So well, not not just that. It's also the fact that most clubs I use are short. And oh, every guy, yeah. I've, I've gone golfing with a couple guys who are ex-professionals, and they've told me if I just get my own clubs, that might help. And I don't want to put the money into something that I've done three times <laughs> I saw. That's be in the garage (laughs) yeah exactly oh man all right what was traveling like uh during this protocol time i mean you know we've been talking to you about your pro career in both sports and you've undergone a lot of different travel situations i'm sure but how different was it traveling when you went to kansas city in the pandemic and trying to get the you know trying to get onto the field and do your thing um it wasn't too crazy because obviously as a team you travel on your own team and own rules so mm-hmm. it was just certain rules you had to follow wearing the mask and making sure you keep things sanitary the hotel we were in was just us in there so it wasn't anything too drastic oh that's good that's good because you're going to pittsburgh now and that's going to be another situation um how do you prep for a game personally do you start watching tape early uh, is it a different kind of mode that you get into? Uh, you, you wait for the game plan on Wednesday. I mean, how does all that go down for you when you're getting yourself ready for a game and everything you have to do as a tight end? Um, I'll probably – I don't watch ex- too much film because I like to get the game plan before. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I get the game plan, then I'll watch film so I can apply uh, how my role in the game is going to affect and go from there. Um, but before getting the game plan, I'll pretty much just watch certain players and see – their techniques and certain DBs uh, if I'm going up against a linebacker or a lineman, try to figure out what they like to do. And then uh, just pretty much studying different players and how they will try to attack me on the field. Um, And then once I get the personnel or sorry, once I get our game plan, uh, then I'll start looking at film in a different way on how we're going to attack them as a team. Darren, in 2018, you were with Cleveland, so obviously you uh, got to experience a little bit of that Steelers-Browns rivalry. What's it like playing at Heinz Field? And, you know, what do you think of Big Ben? I mean, you were there the last time he was on the field, and he's now in year 17. Is it just amazing what he's been able to do? And and what about the Steelers' defense? They seem to change players every year, but they still sort of have that same identity year after year, too, don't they? Yeah. um, Big Ben, he's always surprised. He's a very talented quarterback, and still being able to produce the way he's been doing is pretty amazing. Um, the Steelers defense, like you said, the Cleveland Brown uh, Steelers rivalry, it's a little bit different than what we're going to see. Cause obviously when you're in a conference game, they bring a little bit different kind of juice. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to take them lightly. Obviously uh, that Steelers defense is a very talented defensive front. Uh, front seven is really tough and we're going to have to, figure out a way how to attack that. Um, and like I said, they, they're a type of defense that's always been known for their physicality and strength and toughness. So we're going to have to bring that same mentality into that game. Yeah, you bring up that Steelers defense, how tough they are. DP brought up, you played in Cleveland, you know, a little bit. So you saw TJ Watt. How impressive is he? And you're going to probably have to, to match up or help out with him a few times in this game or maybe even a lot more. What do you think of TJ? Um, he's very talented, very talented guy. Um, he has a brother that I know personally, so I'll try to talk to him and see, uh, <laughs> if something's um, the inside scoop. 
yeah, maybe when he's talking to him on the phone, I'll be in the background just listening, seeing what kind of things he'll tell me. Um, no, but no, I'm, I'm just, I played against him a little bit last, not last year, a couple of years ago when I was in Cleveland. And so I know a little bit of what he's going to bring, but I'm getting ready to go up against him again. You're going to two of those cities where you played Cleveland and Detroit this year. Uh, let's focus on Detroit for a moment. I know it's way down the line, but just the aspect of playing in the Thanksgiving game, uh, is that, does that bring something extra special? Are you going to make sushi that day? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, does it bring something extra special to the table knowing that you're playing on that particular day? Uh, yeah, that'll be my second time playing on Thanksgiving. So, and it was pretty, pretty awesome playing on that. The only negative, obviously, is I love cooking, so I won't be able to do my Thanksgiving feast I usually do. But it, it's definitely a lot of fun playing Thursday night Thanksgiving game and seeing your teammates uh Scope down a huge turkey leg if they if they uh, get that player of the game. I'm betting that no one's going to mind if you make Thanksgiving dinner on Friday. You know, <laughs> you guys will probably have the weekend off. You'll have to go in for testing, of course, uh, but yeah. you'll probably have the weekend off, and you can do it on Friday. And is there any Thanksgiving food that you leave out because it's just overrated and you're just not going to have it, like cranberry sauce or something like that? Which one is it? Uh, I always try to put my own spin on it, so it's – it's not overrated if I make it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, back to the whole brothers thing. You know, J.J. Watt is playing against his two brothers this weekend. I can't remember. Did you, pardon my ignorance here, did you ever overlap and play against your brother, Daniel, uh, at the end of his career? Yeah, so my, my rookie year, um, we uh, he was with the Giants at the time, and we played the Giants there. So I was able to be on the field the same same day as him. He actually scored a touchdown against us. What was that like post game seeing him? Oh, it was it was surreal because I was at the point where I still didn't believe that I was in the NFL, and he still couldn't believe I was in the NFL. So seeing me walk across the field to congratulate him and actually on the field during the game instead of after the game when I'm watching him play, uh, he he was surprised. I'm surprised. It was one of those things I'll never forget. I just, you know, somebody asked me about the Watt brothers dynamic um, this week. And, and I said, it's kind of fun to follow them because, you know, I mean, they're professional athletes and everything, but they're still brothers, you know, on social media. They're still razzing each other on their TV show. I mean, it's just sibling rivalry. And it, it's it's really special to see that kind of thing. And, and I'm glad that you got a chance to overlap with your brother as a pro. But uh, that that kind of thing is very different and special. Uh, it, it definitely is. Um I always joked around because when I first came in the league, I was had a tryout as a defensive end, and I told him all the time because he he was a tight end. I was like, I wish I stayed defensive end so I could actually gone up against you. So I'm pretty sure like that's that's the mindset of the Watt brothers. Like if we were on opposite side of the ball, I would get to hit you at least once or twice. That'll be fun. Wait, so you were trying out as a defensive end, but it didn't uh, obviously didn't pan out that way. Tight end worked out pretty darn well. So what was that like though, trying to be a DE? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really know the, the difference because I really didn't get the opportunity to do it on the uh -huh. field. I only did DN drills and then the trial, so I wouldn't – I don't know how it would have been if I actually suited up as a defensive end. In college, though, you were tight end, right? Uh, high school, I was tight end, yeah. High school, okay. 
Wow. All right. Well, Darren, that's going to do it for today. I mean, we really had a great time with you. We'd love to have you back sometime and, and do more on the Texans Players Show. Uh, best of luck against Pittsburgh. Thanks so much for joining us. No, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All right. That's Darren Fells, Texans tight end. Going to Pittsburgh this weekend, noon kick, Texans and Steelers. And we'll be on the air starting at 11.30 with Texans kickoff on the network, 9 a.m. with Texans countdown presented by Kroger. Coming up, Texans all access. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio. At Amogee Bank, it's all about relationships. And in talking with our customers, we found a consistent theme. Having a banking professional speak to me on a personal level has meant a lot. Amogee Bank made it happen for us. They make you feel important. You don't get that everywhere. Thank you to Amogee Bank from all of us and all of our families. From our fans to yours. Here's to more family, business, and banking. Amogee Bank, Science Bank Corporation, NA, member FDIC, official business bank of the Houston Texans. This summer, hurry into Mattress Firm where you can save up to $500 when you get a king mattress for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases of $699 and save up to 50% on select mattresses from our top-rated brands like Beautyrest, Serta, Sealy, and more. Shop in-store, online, or by phone today. Hurry in only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only and while supplies last. Some products only available online. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale.